We're in the middle of a series called Game Changers, and it's been a lot of fun. It, I'm so enjoying this and talking about the fact that God has created us to be game changers, to change the atmosphere wherever we go. And in this country, we deal with a lot of apathy, and a lot of them is going to get by and just make it. And you have these folks go to another country, and they come back, where people are fighting for their life, and there's not a lot of apathy going on. And so I want to remind us, during this last week we hit it pretty hard, and this week where we talk about what does it really mean to be a game changer. Because the game ain't going to change unless we change it, right? Can't fuss about it if you ain't going to do something about it. I mean, I guess you can, but fussing changes nothing. Except you just get more bitter, right? Just look at your neighbor if they're bitter. Or if they're fussing, just look, look at them. That's fine. You can. <laughs> the two things that we've hit over the past several weeks is, number one, game changers must be changed. First of all, let me ask you this. How many of you want to be a game changer? Okay, better yet. How many do not care about being a game changer? No, I'm serious. You're just like, you're good, apathetic, tired. Worn out, just done with it, just want to barely even play the game. You just want to pay a ticket and watch the game, all right? Just raise your hand. That's fine. Okay, so now I know we have a good audience, so now I can continue on with the sermon, all right? So here's it's for all of you who want to be game changers. Number one, two weeks ago we talked about this. Game changers must be changed. There has to be something that happens in you that changes you, and that change always starts where? Saying, oh, I love people that listen and take notes. It starts with the heart because everything flows out of the heart. No matter what you're going to do, it has to start right here. So God wants to change your heart and not just make it better. He wants to make it new. He wants to take your heart of stone. He wants to take your broken heart, your bruised heart, and put a brand new heart in you and the kind of heart that he wanted to be in there all along. He doesn't want to reconstruct and duct tape and do bondo and putty and paint it. He wants a brand new, fresh, beating heart. So game changers have to be changed. So you have to say, if I want to be a a world changer, I've got to pray that God changes me first. So start there. Next, Last week, we talked about the fact that game changers know they are game changers. If you don't know you're a game changer, you're not going to change the game. I mean, what you know I was with Michael Jordan, one of the ultimate game changers, give me the ball. But, man, we're getting ready. This is the last second. I know. And all the world's watching knowing who's going to get the ball, right? And they should have just put five guys on him because he's going to get the ball. Why? Because he knows he is a game changer. Does that sound a little cocky to y'all? It should be. I think for you to really be what God's called you to be, you just got to be a little, all right, I can do this thing. I want you to leave today. I hit it last week, but I don't think, I don't think it got across. First of all, I preached too long, and I want to apologize for that. I did. I preached too long. I went home. I said, I preached too long. You know why? Because I love talking about this subject, and I've got about 53 pages of notes just on this subject. I love it, and I want you to get it, so I'm not going to preach as long, but I, we're taking last Sunday and this Sunday, and we're going to build this thing. Are y'all ready? Yeah. I said, are you ready? Yeah. Game changers have to know they're game changers. If you don't know it, you're not going to do it. 
There has to be something in you that says, I know I was built for more than this. I know that I'm not just supposed to get by. And I can tell you right now, if you're a game changer, you know it. You may not know you know it, but you know it. As a little kid, you have those things. You know, those feelings when all the other kids want to do something and you want to do something else or are they're interested in this, but you're interested in that. And you get dreams and you have journals and you write things out. And as life comes along, you let those things fade away. And some of you have them tucked up in the attic and some of your dream journals are under your bed. I'm hoping by the time we're in with this, you getting rummaging through and pulling some of that junk out again. Being reminded what God's called you to be. Game changers know it. They may not know they know it until they meet someone else that knows it. That's why when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, shows up to Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. The Bible says when Mary walked in, John the Baptist leapt in his mama's belly. That's because what's in you will always resonate with what's in someone else. The Bible says deep calls to deep. You ever been around people, you haven't known them very long, but all of a sudden it's like, woo, I like you. There's something, there's a connection going on, right? That's because that thing, and and you find that I'm connected, you know it, I know it. You need to get around people that know what's on you. Instead of people that are always telling you what you can't do, you need to be around people that can tell you you can do anything. And you got to have a little... You've got to have an attitude about it. You've got to kind of know what you're called to do. You don't have to be conceited. You don't have to be. One of my favorite passages in the scripture, and I preached my first sermon on this, is 1 Samuel 17, 48. And it says this, when David got near to the Philistine army, or to Goliath, that he ran toward the entire Philistine army. Now hold up. How many of y'all shirk away from the giants in your life? I'll I'll raise my hand. You see a giant, you're like, I don't know. David did not pull away. The entire army of Israel was hiding under rocks and in caves. That's what the Bible says. Because nobody wanted to come out. Here comes this little boy that says, I'll take him on. Let's go. And when he gets near to Goliath, he starts running toward him. Not just to Goliath, though. The Bible says to the entire Philistine army. Now, that's somebody that knows what they're called to do, wouldn't you think? And part of me would go, well, you cocky little scopher, you. All the great warriors won't go out, but you don't take off running out there swinging your little sling. How can you do that? I'm going to tell you you can do it. I'm going to tell you how you can do it. Y'all ready? How many are ready? Because he could go back to a day when an old prophet anointed him to be king and said to him, you are going to be the king of Israel. And so David could look at the giant and the army and say to them, I don't care. I am anointed to be king and I ain't king yet, so I'll take on all y'all. Bring the Philistites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Amorites, your mama and your daddy and your grandma. I'll run over all y'all. And I believe that's when he wrote, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. 
Because there was this thing that just came over. Man, I want you to start getting that. As a church, as people of God, that you can look to your destiny and you can say, what's standing in between me and my destiny cannot stop me. Amen. I don't care if you're Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Catholic, or just a heathen. That was good word right there. <laughs> or you may be a Pentecostal heathen. I don't know. Whatever. It just all works together. Somebody said in Haiti, they're what, 90% Christian or something like that and 100% voodoo. It's true. And so I, I'm like, man, that's how we are right here. Like Pentecostal heathens. That's what exactly what's going on. All right, that wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> that filter didn't quite work. Game changers know they're game changers. But I'm going to tell you something. You know what? I don't even, this is in my notes, so just forget it. We'll get it to it next week, all right? That just scared some of you, didn't it? <laughs> game changers know they're game changers, and you're not going to know you're a game changer until something tells you you're a game changer. David could take you back to that place in his life where a prophet anointed him to be king. He went back, he could go back to that place and say, wait a minute, I don't care what goes on, I'm anointed to be king. You know, there's a time in Scripture when the Bible says David was leading his mighty men. And, man, they were doing battle and doing warfare. And they come back to their, they come back to their camp, and the enemy had snuck in while they were gone and taken their wives, taken their children, and destroyed their entire camp. And the Bible says that David's, David's mighty men, those men that were faithful to him, began to think about stoning him. Begin to pick up. Everybody ever had faithful people want to kill you? Not bad people, faithful people. And bad stuff just started happening and they started, they began to pick up stones. And here's a scripture, the Bible says this, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. He didn't have to go find a priest. He didn't have to get somebody to play the show for, didn't, no electric guitar. He encouraged himself in the Lord. You know what I think that means? I think that means he this. He went off by himself, and he said, they're about to kill me. And then something inside him said, oh, no, they're not. I'm king. Ain't nobody killing me. The king says who gets killed. I'm king. Nobody's dying today. And because of that, you got to have that in your life. you got to have that ability to say, wait a minute. God's called me to do something better than what I'm doing and greater than what I'm doing. I'm not going to die today. If you don't have that, you need to get it. I mean, you need to have it. I mean, you need to be there. But how do you get it? you got to have an encounter. I mean, you need an encounter. David could take you back to the place that that prophet anointed him with oil. Even Jesus had to have an encounter. You ever think about that? Jesus, the Messiah, God robed in flesh, the Son of God. Surely he knew who he was, wouldn't you think so? Like shows up, pretty sure he knew. And you know Mary told him, right? I I know my mama tells me all the time, you know. How many of y'all tell your kids, you're the greatest, you can do anything. Come on, baby. You know Mary's like, you're the Messiah. Baby, don't let them pick on you. You are the Messiah, You were the one, Neo. You're the one. You've been chosen, baby. 
You know, you know, Mary, you know, Jesus, when he was looking through those manuscripts in the, in the old prophets, you know, he would say, oh, that's me. He's talking about me. When he read Isaiah, oh, that's me. It's me. Right? You know, he had that. But that, his mama, his friends, even the, even the prophets, Simeon and Anna, telling him he's chosen, he's special. Even the fact that at 12 years old, he astounded the teachers in the temple was not enough. At some point, at his baptism, the Bible says, and the heavens were ripped open, and his father from heaven speaks to him, you are my beloved son, and I am pleased with you. Even Jesus had to have an encounter that reminded him who he was. Let me say something to you. If you've never had that encounter, I'm not talking about just confessing your faith in Jesus. I'm not talking about just saying, I am a Christian. I'm talking about where you know that you know that you know. That you can't even sleep at night some nights because that thing is on you. If you don't have that, you're not going to be a game changer. But here's the great thing. You can have it. Everybody can have it. That moment in life where everything just, this is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm called to be. I call it your belly button starts buzzing. You know, you get to, oh, okay, something's going on. You just know. I'm seeing, look at, I'm looking at you, some of you right now. I don't think I have that. Yes, you have it. You have it. Let me help you with it. What are you good at? What do you like doing? What are you gifted at? What are you passionate about? What mistakes have you made? Wait a minute, you're saying, that a mistake? Yes, because what you overcome becomes your platform. So you were taken advantage of as a child? Somebody did something to you that they shouldn't have done? Some pervert? Instead of that putting you down and destroying you, that becomes the platform that you stand on to begin to minister to other people that are walking through that. I'm going to drop a mic here in a minute if we don't keep. I'm telling you. Is anybody getting this? I don't expect you to throw things or run, run around. I just want to know that you're hearing what I'm saying. Because I got a whole sermon that I prepared for for two weeks, all right, that I'm not even getting to right now. Mama said, hallelujah. Mama said, hallelujah. We're about to go now. So glad to have the holes here. Congratulations. They got married last week, right? Talk about game changer. You got to have that moment that you can go back to. For example, you guys are going to continue to be able to go back to that moment when you said, I do. Right? I do. We made a commitment. This is it. We go back to that moment. And when you have tough times, and you will, and when it gets hard, you're going to go back to that moment. Everybody say this with me. I must have a time and a place I can go back to. You got to have it. You got to be able to go back to a date on your calendar that you can circle and say, that was the day that my daddy told me who I was. Because if you don't have it, you're going to get beat down and dried up. You know, Jesus, at his baptism, Heavenly Father speaks over him, you're my son. 
I'm pleased with you. One translation says, a voice from heaven said, this is my son. I'm pleased with you. That means this, that the people that are around you when that happens are going to know something's changing with you. Some of them are going to run from you and some of them will get closer to you. How many have ever started to try to make a change in your life and there are people that ran from you or ridiculed you or said, you're, yeah, you're crazy, whatever? But then you're going to have those one or two that are going to go, they're going to come closer because they're the people that are supposed to help you do what you're called to do. Okay? Just remember that. Now here is what's powerful about that. You can read all of this in in, uh, Luke. You can read all this in Luke. So Jesus is baptized. Heavens are ripped. I love that. Ripped open is what the Bible says. It's like God couldn't wait to... That's my boy. I'm pleased with him. Remember, he said this before Jesus had performed one miracle. Jesus had not performed a miracle yet. Why did Jesus come? To die, right? Save us of our sins. Give us abundant life. Had not done any of that yet. And yet his father is saying, I'm pleased with you. Some of y'all need to hear that. Those of you who grew up in religious mess. It says you got to do things and get right before he's pleased. No, he's pleased with you because of who you are. Let that be freeing to you today. You're my son, I'm pleased with you. And then the Bible says the spirit descended upon him like a dove. And then that same spirit, the Bible says, led him into the wilderness. Now, wait a minute. I like the baptism part, right? When heavens are ripped open and God's saying, you're my boy, and the Holy Spirit is descending, and everybody's like, ah. I don't like the leading into the wilderness part. Same spirit, though. Led him into the wilderness. And you know, oh, man, if I'm going to the wilderness, that must mean God's going to give me some amazing revelation. No, leading you to the wilderness so you can be tempted by the devil. Goes out fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Satan shows up, and what's the first thing that Satan questions? What's the first thing that Satan says to him? Can anybody tell me? If you are the Son of God, first words out of Satan's mouth. Here's the thing. If you don't have a moment that you can go back to, when the enemy starts questioning your identity, you're going to fall You're going to fail. The reason Jesus could say, you better shut up and back off, because the word says, because he could go back to 40 days earlier. He had heard his dead. Listen to me. You need to have that moment. You need to have that moment in your life. And if you don't know how to have that moment, ask us. We will tell you. Or ask him. He will do it. Say, come on, Jesus. I need you to show me. Get hungry for him. Go on a fast. Skip some meals. You want something that will get you in tune with God, don't eat. Some of you never been taught about fasting. Just, just miss one meal. And instead of eating, say, God, I'm, I'm focusing. I'm telling you, he will show up. Just pray for it as you're driving. Say, Holy Spirit, I need you to come tell me who I am. I don't look, you don't have to go to go get in a relationship to find who you are. That's the worst thing you could do. You don't have to read a self-help book. Just get in that word. Get in the word. Just get just can you hand me that? Thank you. Just get in it. Just open it up. Smother yourself in it. Just get in it. Get in the word. 
Get into prayer. Spend time seeking his face and let him tell you who you are. Not enough to be a believer. At some point, you're going to have to start trusting. Did you hear that one? Not enough to be a believer. I mean, that's awesome. That'll get you to heaven. I mean, that that gets you saved. That's great. But the Bible says the demons believe and tremble. Belief just puts you on the same level as the demons. That's the only authority they have. So you're wondering why you can't overcome things? Because you're on the same authority level as the devil. Because he believes, but he doesn't trust. That's why he got kicked out of heaven. He didn't trust how God was doing things. What turns a believer into somebody that is walking it out is they say, I believe, but I believe you enough that I'm going to trust you to walk into this wilderness. And then it's step after step after step, and then Satan shows up and begins to say, you're not good enough. Same thing he said to Eve. Eve, baby, you're not, he didn't make you good enough. You need to eat that fruit. Same thing he says to Jesus. That's what he's always after, questioning your calling, coming against your identity. And so because of that, we just show up on church. We say we're believers. We listen to Christian music and praise and worship, and we think that's enough. And that's why this city still doesn't know what God wants to do with it. That's why Haiti still is a dump. That's why. But what if you and I started realizing who we were? And started working to change our world, our family. You got to have that moment, though. You know, there's a great passage of Scripture. Y'all remember the story how, how Jesus walked on the water, right? And Peter said, I won't come with you. You know, and jumps out, walks on the water, and then sinks, right? Like, we always talk about him sinking, but he did walk on water. I don't care if it's two steps. That's amazing. You know? Anybody ever tried to walk on water? I have. I have. And you've got to be exceptionally fast with incredibly big feet. And even then, you, just, you don't even get a step. It's like, I, I, I've heard people preach about Peter's doubt, his unbelief. Man, he walked on water. Let's talk about that for just a minute. And so after Peter has denied Jesus and used his name, cussed, I don't know that, I don't know him. Jesus resurrected, they're all mourning, they don't know what's going on. And here's what Peter says, he says, I'm going fishing. And I used to hear preachers preach that meant he was going back to his old lifestyle. I don't think so. I think he was going back to where he saw Jesus. I think he said, you got to have that place. You need to have a spot. Kristen's got her closet. It's really our closet, but it becomes her closet. Uh, No, I have more clothes than she has. I'm just talking about in prayer time, that is her closet. I have my office, she has our closet. Someone came to our house the other day, and they walked into into her uh, her closet, and they said, this feels like the war room. There's a movie out about prayer. And this person didn't know. She said, the person said, do you pray in here? She said, yeah. Every morning I get up, there'll be Kristen laid laid on her floor praying. My mama's got her chair. How many got your place? How many got your place? If you don't have a place, you need a place. You need a spot. You need a place that you can go back to. And here's what I'm telling you. Listen to all all the students. Listen to me. I know you want to do great things. If you don't, then if you don't want to do great things, then why are you even studying? 
If you just want to get by, then just don't even mess with it, you know? Just go on. But if you want to do great things, and you want all your hard work to mean something, you need to have a moment you can go back to. Listen to me, young people. If you hear, you don't hear anything else I said, hear what I'm saying. You need a God moment where he speaks over you who you are. Not what the coaches say over you. Not what the teachers say over you. Not what your mom and dad say over you. What God speaks over you. Because I can promise you he wants to tell you. I want to thank you for just letting me do what I do. And be myself. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for who you are. Father, I thank you for these incredible people that are in this room right now. I thank you, God, for your presence that's here. Well, I need those of you that know how to pray to pray now. There, there are eternities that are about to be altered in this room. God didn't just have me scrap everything that I had planned on just for us to say, man, that was funny. This is, this, is, this is a God moment right here. God has called us to do something great in this city and in this nation, and it is not going to happen with folks that just want to get by. Here's what I found with God. There's always moment after moment after moment. And for every new thing that God calls you to do, there's going to be another. I can take you back to him in my life. I, I'm definitely not perfect, but I, I'm, I'm, I know me better than anybody else. I can take you back to the floor of the church in Brookhaven, Mississippi, where God told me what I was going to do. I can take you back to Natchez, Mississippi, in that single wide trailer, 11 years old, when God showed me what I was going to do. I can take you back to Jackson, Mississippi, on the floor of an old campground where God spoke to me something else. I can take you back to Austin, Texas, where God showed me this. I can just take you back to all these places. And it doesn't have to be a angels. Whoa! It might be because some people need that. Paul needed that, right? He needed, I mean, he needed God to show up and blind him and beat him up. There's others that didn't have to have it that way. But you know it. God will speak to you the way he he needs to speak to you. Some of you have been doing great for a while, but now God wants you to go to another level. And you can't go to that other level until you have that moment where God speaks over you. And maybe it's a scripture for you. Maybe it's a song. Because the new levels means new devils. You go here. And here's the other thing that I found. Is that the floor or the ceiling of this level is the floor of the next level. Right? So you work, you work, you work, you work. And you start bumping your head on your ceiling. And then you go, pop through. I'm in another level. But then you look around and you're like, I'm on the floor again. And you feel like you're starting over. What in the world? You're not starting over. You're on another level. But that's when you got to go back to that moment. When you feel like, I'm starting over. I'm having to do all this stuff again. It's a cycle in my life. No, it's another level. But you got to have that moment that reminds you 
And I want you to have that moment. I remember your moment. And your moment. Been there with some of y'all's moments. How many of you want a moment? I mean, how many? Don't worry, we're not going to throw out white powder or dust or anything. Don't worry about it. But how many of you want a moment? This is the way I like to say it. And if you want to take notes, write this down. You need to have something happen in your life that you can't explain but you can't deny. I'm going to say it again because some of y'all weren't listening. Because I want you to tweet this at some point, all right? You need to have a moment in your life that you cannot explain it but you cannot deny it. There's going to be a scripture reference for it. Don't worry about that. There's going to be some scripture for it. But it needs to be something that you have to go, I don't know what it was, but it was. Something happened to me that transformed who I was. How many want that kind of moment? A God moment that takes you above earth. Let's stand.